Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. This is our first podcast for 2021. So my co-host is Rachel Santizo. Are you ready for the new year? I'm so ready for the new year. Excited to put 2020 behind me. Everybody in the world is. Uh, and, and the other thing I'm looking forward to is that we will get to move at some time, we will get to move into our new studio so that we don't have to Zoom all our guests and each other. That will be magical. I'm, I can't wait for that moment. <laughs> You're not wearing your mask right now. What's going on? I'm not. It's because I'm sitting at home in the luxury. I'm sitting in the luxury of my own home speaking <laughs> with you on Zoom. That's why. Which, which we have been. What are you looking forward to most in 2021? Well, for me personally, um, I'm looking forward to graduating college. Ooh. That's like my main goal for the year. And so, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. And I saw your grades for the last, what is it, quarter or semester, and they were all... A's. Yes. <laughs> I'm very happy about Here it. You Thank you. Thank you. This, this podcast is a, basically a raw and uncensored podcast dealing with the issues of uh, addiction and recovery. And we've had a great variety of guests on from law enforcement experts to recovering addicts to recovering alcoholics like me or recovering, you're in recovery as well. So, uh, and, and, and you've arranged uh, our guest today. And so if you want to introduce her, have at it. Oh, I was thinking about how to properly introduce this woman because there's not enough words. And so the word that I came up for her today is brave. She's so incredibly brave. And so we are interviewing Heather Coates, and she has this incredible story that everyone needs to hear. And so without further ado, Heather Coates. Come on down, Heather. <laughs> hey, magically. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm spectacular. <laughs> you're, you're, you're in your house like the rest of everyone, right? I work from home. So yeah, this is my, where I do where the magic happens. You got to, yeah, we were talking uh, before we started recording this, Heather, and, and Rachel pointed out you're in a gamer's chair. Yeah, this is there. a gaming chair. And then, and then show us, show us the keyboard. Guilty as charged. Oh yeah, this, and this is a. Mechanic. Oh my gosh. But for the audience, she said she's going to give it to me because I mean so much to her. So I just <laughs> put it on video before we start. The funny thing is, I don't game. Okay, I just have you know gamer accessories. There's something about a mechanical keyboard that is very satisfying, versus the you know like the membrane keyboard. Yeah. So this is like this is like that old school like. Oh. <laughs> I shouldn't be pushing keys while I'm. You, know. you, you clicked off for there for a second. Yeah, because I hit the space bar. Sorry. So Rachel, why did you why did you ask Heather to be on the podcast today? Oh, this is going to be a good show, and I like how you introduce the rawness that we bring to this podcast because Heather um, is willing to share her story, and she has so much that the that the community needs to hear for those that have lived through it, that have, um, that are currently going through it, or like I wear my Soap to Hope shirt in case you wanna give back to nonprofit organizations that are involved in this. 
Um, so first, Heather, the stuff that we're going to be talking about, I just want to let you know that I love and honor you, and it's it's super important information, and it makes me love you more, especially your bravery to come and share this stuff. So I want to make that very clear before we start. Um, but one of the one of the big topics that I would love to start with is that you used to be a sex worker, and I would love to hear more um, about this and and kind of bring light to this to the community. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, so I, I remember, you know, when I first became homeless and I, I became homeless as the result of, you know, drug use and like, like an unchecked addiction, right? Like I didn't know um, what that was like. Originally it was alcohol and I got sober from alcohol and I stayed sober for a few years, but it was like just abstinence. I didn't have recovery and I didn't know that it was like a thing that I needed to, to manage. Right. And so I started drinking again, then I got into heroin. I got into, I know that's like a weird jump, but it, it you know, um, I got into drugs and like, anyway, I, I became homeless. And the thing is like, when I was first homeless, I'd never been homeless before, right? I'd never even been close to that. Like with alcohol, I was able to maintain a job and a home, you know, mortgage, you know, whatever. And so that's another reason I didn't think I was really an addict or an alcoholic because, you know, my house looked good and my job looked good. And it doesn't really matter. I'm drinking a liter of vodka a day. You know what I mean? Um, Just a liter? Well, it ended up, it ended up getting to like, mm, like most of a half gallon actually is what I kind of maxed out at. And I'm a small person. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, so anyway, I, so I, I was just like out in the streets and I, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't, I had no connection to that life at all. Like I was just like trying to stay warm and I was trying to, you know what I mean? And so I was unsheltered for probably like the first, I don't even know. I'm going to say like, maybe only like a, like a week, couple weeks, like maybe a week, not that long. Were you down on Rio Grande? Was I what? Were you down on Rio Grande? You know what? I, I, I wasn't, I was more up my spot was more like near on state street, like where the, the Zion and the Alta and the Wasatch motels are. That's cause I didn't even know, I didn't know North temple cause I didn't, I used drugs and I would, I would, I had like, I had like a, a dealer. I was a very, I had a bougie heroin situation when I first started, I had a home in Woods Cross and I had a delivery, a girl that would bring the drugs to me. I mean, and I was like, I was spending a lot of money. My husband and I were both working somehow maintaining for a very short time. And of course I lost all that. He was in prison within like, within like a year of like trying that drug. Um, he was in prison and I was outside, you know what I mean? But, um, so I didn't know where to go. I didn't know where the spots were. So I was just wherever. So I'm just Roman state street. just like, I found little side hustles. You know, I finally found someone that took a chance on me with drugs. They were, they were going to let me like sell little small dime bags, you know, and, and, you know, <laughs> anyway, but what happened is I, I met this girl and she was a sex worker and you know, she, so, so I would, she like, I, like, I can't, I think I bought drugs from her or sold drugs or I can't remember how we met. And then she like offered for me to stay in her room, you know? And then I got to see like what was happening for her. Like, cause she, she managed on Backpage. She didn't have a pimp. She didn't, you know what I mean? She just like would market herself on Backpage, which I don't think that exists anymore. Um, and I would just, I watched her and I was out there doing my little stupid, you know, like I would steal from Home Depot and I would return that and then I would get a gift card and then I would sell that to somebody for 50 cents on the dollar. You know what I mean? Like I had little stuff like that, but um, I watched her and like in my mind, well, first of all, I was never going to do that. 
like in, to me, that was just like, that was so crazy. Like, there's no way in the world I'm going to do that. Right. And it was kind of like every boundary I crossed with myself made it easier for me to, you know, to just kind of railroad through the, the rest, you know, cause like, there's a lot of things I was never going to do. I was never going to steal. I was never going to use a needle. I was never going to, you know what I mean? Like just, I was never going to do all these things. Well, so basically I just got to see like how easy it was for her. And I know that sounds crazy because, you know, it's not, I mean, I could never do it now. <laughs> it's not easy, you know, but when it comes to like having a substance uh, addiction that you, and you can't work and you don't have, you know, a way to, 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 um, to uh, feed it. And I got to see this girl always had a room, always. She always had drugs. Um, and I didn't see the ugly side of it, right? I just saw that stuff. And I was like, oh, you know, well, maybe, you know, like I could, you know, and so she kind of showed me what's up. You know what I mean? She kind of trained me, like showed me the ropes, like gave me tips and, you know, showed me how to build my own back page and how to, um, uh, what to, how to, how to, like how to deal with the Johns and like what to, <clears throat> And, and so of course is actually where you can search for it on the internet, right? Versus yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Backpage is like a what it's it's no longer, I think it's it was it's it's gone now, but it was like basically a place where you could, yeah, you, it was it was it was for it was for like personal ads or classified ads, I think is what it was original, but like literally you backpage is like for prostitutes, you know what I mean? Like it was just like yeah. a, an easier way that we could like market ourselves and meet John's without having to walk the street or whatever. And I'm lucky I never had to do that. I never had to walk, you know, I never had to be someone that had to jump in cars. You know, I did, I did do that when I was desperate, you know, I did do that sometimes and it was terrifying. Like that was way scarier to me somehow. Cause I felt more controlled bringing them into my room. Right. Than going into their car, you know? Um, but yeah, so, um, but basically a lot of what allowed me, I feel like to, just like where I got wild, I didn't give a fuck about myself. And, um, and I, and like, I, I got to a point where I wasn't even scared anymore. You know what I mean? Especially after you get like, you get beat up or you get assaulted, you know, and you, I mean, eventually, I mean, there's just so many things that you'll start to allow for that. And I think a lot of that came from like, cause I, I, my ex-husband, the one that I was, that I got into the drugs with, um, that was like a domestic violence situation. And I think that 13 years of living in that abusive marriage, I think it just kind of like the trauma of that or whatever, it kind of just depleted my, my ability to care. And I think there's some parts to it that people just don't understand, right? Like when it comes to domestic violence, like when I was in those situations, when I got hit or when, you know, when he would do things to me, that's when I felt like I was important or that he loved yeah. me is when he would do things. And I think that that's like the things that we don't talk about. It's not that yeah. I wanted to be in them, but it's just, that's where you're at. And that's how it controls you. Oh yeah. No, I 100% like he could he could do all these terrible, awful things to me. Right. And then like this one thing that was nice or that was like, and I'd just be like, Oh, you know? And, and like you said, if, even if he came home and he was like abusive to me, at least he was home. Right. You know, or like he'd disappear for days. And then I'd be like, he'd come home and I would be mad. I'd be like, Oh, I'm so glad you're home. Like, you know, it was like very, I mean, now it's, I look back and I'm like, Holy shit. Like, how could I, but when you're in it, you're in it. You don't, let you me don't, ask you, you don't, 
let me ask you how I'm trying to figure out the time frame here. You go from being from living a normal life in a in a Davis County suburb to yeah. being an alcoholic to being a heroin addict to being a hooker. How long how, <laughs> how long did that go? That's Randall. I ask myself that sometimes. I'm like, what in the hell? Yeah. I didn't get into heroin until I was 35. Like what? Anyway, yeah. So um <clears throat> You know, a lot of that, like, so, you know, in my childhood, uh, my parents divorced when I was really young and my mom, she kind of just took off I mean, she came back, but like, she's never, I hope she doesn't hear this, but anyway, um, she's never, um, she's not maternal, you know, and I, and I love my mom. We have a totally, we have a great relationship now, but like, as a child, like I always just was like seeking her approval, seeking her. And I was very codependent, you know, I became very codependent because of that relationship. So I was addicted to people well before I was alcohol or drugs. Right. And I, my first husband was an alcoholic still is an active alcoholic and I hated it because he was an alcoholic. Right. So I didn't really drink when my older kids were younger. I didn't. And then when I divorced him, my, my second husband, the one that was, you know, abusive. He was also an alcoholic, but somehow he made it look more glamorous because he had a lot of money. You know what I mean? And like mimosas for breakfast was okay. And Bloody Mary's for breakfast was okay. You know what I mean? Like he had the ability to support that lifestyle. And so it was like, oh, you know, somehow I just like, and then I just got, I became, you know, addicted uh, to alcohol. And then in 2007, I went to treatment and I left him. I got away from him. He, I think we'd been together for like three years. And I it was my first taste of like, this is not okay. I didn't know what about it was not okay, but it's like, he's a narcissist in that, like in, in the true sense, like I'm not, not just, I know that's loosely thrown around, but like literally if I were to look at, you know, like Samsa's <laughs> description of narcissistic personality disorder, this person definitely has all the boxes checked. And so a lot of what was happening with me was like this, I, I knew it was bad. It's kind of like when you go back to drugs, even though you know you don't want to do it again, you know that you don't want to do it. And then suddenly you're doing it again. You're like, how the fuck did this happen? I was, I wasn't going to drink again. I wasn't going to use it again. So that's how it was with him. So I, that was all kind of tangled together. And I, I did get sober um, in 2007. And like I said, I stayed sober for about four years, had a son with that husband in that time period. And yeah, we had, a, we, before the Woods Cross house, we had a home on two acres in Farmington, you know, we had 401ks wow. and, and, you know, Harley Davidson's and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I wasn't, I wasn't in recovery. I was, I was just literally abstinent in my life. In retrospect, I, I was miserable. You know what I mean? Like now, like I got my little shitty two bedroom apartment and I drive a, a 2001 Toyota Corolla and I'm like, hell yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So anyway, that, so he introduced me to heroin, my husband, cause he had used opiates like years prior and he kind of replaced it with alcohol. Like he hadn't used opiates. But when we started drinking again, he introduced me to heroin and I was like, oh, I kind of like this, you know, and I had an incident where I stopped breathing um, as a result of drinking and then using heroin on top of that. And my son at the time, he was two at the time he was home when the, cause the paramedics, they had to take me away, you know, in an ambulance. So then DCFS got involved in my life. And once that happened, uh, that was pretty much, I wasn't even addicted to heroin at that time. I was using it very, very infrequently, but I was drinking and my blood alcohol content was high enough that when I smoked that heroin, it just caused me to have pulmonary suppression. So I wasn't actually addicted to heroin at that point, but as soon as my son was taken, then I, 
it's almost like I just, cause no one had given me an answer. Like if I would have known about like the Odyssey parents program at that time, right. I would have done that. I send it. I would have done that, but nobody in that. And I'm not, I'm not sliding DCFS. I'm just, but that nobody in that organization, nobody said to me, Hey, you have this disease and you need to work on it in order to get your son back. No, they just said, you need to pass these UAs and you need to, you know what I mean? And like, that wasn't enough. Cause I had this unchecked addiction, you know, and my, most of it was like alcohol. I would, you know, the heroin thing kind of just started gradually slipping in. And then as soon as I like lost him, lost him, like he was adopted out. I, that's when I really started just like using drugs and I didn't care anymore, you know? So yeah, I don't, it's like so weird. It's basically just like, had I gotten recovery in 2007 when I first went to treatment, then maybe, you know what I mean? I would have just, you know, but that whole life I was living was just, it was just a lie. You know what I mean? I had money. Yeah. And I had nice things, but I was, I was in a very dark place, you know? And so I feel like it was only a matter of time that I got into substance really heavy because it's the only way to cope with that you know, narcissistic abuse, you know what I mean? Where you're being gaslighted and you're being, you know, constantly, you know, messed with mentally. So isn't does that answer your like, question? That was a lot, yeah, I know. Yeah, sort of. It's, it, isn't it sort of scary to advertise yourself on Backpage? You have a stranger getting a hold of you and you're going to exchange sex for money. Uh, maybe e even if it's in your room under your terms, but you've got a bunch of weird guys just coming out of nowhere. That's scary. I mean, it's, it's so it now that I look back at it, I mean, it is so terrifying. Like when I've done, so like I've gone out and done outreach for like, I did it for about eight months with soap to hope. Right. And I would go to those places where I used to live, you know what I mean? And see these girls and just be like, Oh, like just terrified for them. But when I was in it, I wasn't scared because it was what it was necessary. It was like what I needed to do to get what, you know, get what I get the drugs and to, um, cause I, I was just kind of like on a, it was almost like I was on like a, just like a, like, so when I lost my one son, my older two kids, I just abandoned them. Cause I thought, well, I'm not a mom anymore, obviously. And so I just lost what the very thing that I thought made me who I am. And that, that's a mother was gone. So I was like, well, I don't, you know, so I really, Randall, I really wasn't scared. I, I mean, there were certain dudes, there were times, yes, where I was like, this is, you know, this is not good. Well, oh, I forgot to add too, that for a, about a nine month chunk of that time that I was doing sex work, my husband was my, he was the one that was helping me do that. Wow. So he would like, I would, the dude would come in the room, he'd give me the money. And then my husband would be standing outside that door and I'd hand him the money through the door so he could go buy drugs. So, you know, when I was doing that, like I felt like I was protected by this person, you know what I mean? Cause he's like, cause the guy would know he was out there, you know? So they were like, okay, or we would lie. A lot of us that were out there alone, we would act like we had some sort of bodyguard in the next room, yeah. you know, like we'd set up like a little thing where they, at least this is what I would do. Like they, I would have like one of the other girls that I worked with, like, like, you know, I would act like I was calling the bodyguard be like, okay, so he's here, you know? So in an hour, if the dude's not leaving, you know, come knock on the door and you know what I mean? So it was a, just a way to keep them at their time frame they're their one hour that they paid for or whatever you know but also just so they knew that there was someone that could you know but yeah it's 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 a such a risky I mean I think about or and I've been held at gunpoint I've been taken hostage you know what I mean like I've had very but at the time I you know on drugs like I just 
that it wasn't even that crazy to me to have like a gun pointed. I mean, now I'm like, oh my God, like, oh, that's so insane. But I was just, I was so, I was so depleted, you know what I mean? Spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, I just didn't have it to care. What would you say? So going out to the motels, you know, with Soap to Hope and some like nonprofit organizations that give back to individuals that were, you know, like us, like, what does that do for you? Or what would you say when you see that young girl in there starting down the same path that you were on? Like, what would you say? Ooh, that's crazy. That just gave me goosebumps. Mm-hmm. I call that true. I call those truth tingles, by the way, when I get truth tingles, yeah. uh, cause that's powerful. Like I am. So I haven't done uh, soap to hope for a little while. Cause like I was working at Odyssey lighthouse and like, because of the, all the COVID stuff, like, I mean, they weren't telling us we couldn't go and do stuff, but it was, I didn't, I didn't feel right about it. Right. That I'm coming in from, you know what I mean? I didn't want to be, so I was taking very, I was doing, I was being very strict about my exposure to the public because I didn't think it was fair to the clients. You know what I mean? Um, so I stopped doing um, sub to hope, but for that eight, nine months that I was doing it. Um, so like, I was a little freaked out. I I've known January a long time. And, and I, when I, when I heard that she was doing this, I was really interested, but I, I gave myself a one-year sobriety um, time to, yeah. to even do it because I didn't feel, <clears throat> I didn't want to put myself in any kind of danger, like, you know what I mean? Risky situation. Yeah. And so I told her, I was like, look, the second I get my year, I'm coming out with you, you know, and I'll tell you, like, I've had so many, I mean, sometimes it's just handing out bags, you know, but that's cool. I like that. But I've had so many, I'm sure you have too, Rachel, so many experiences where, well, first of all, girls that knew me that I used to work with and they're like, how did you get out? Like you can get out, you know what I mean? Like this one girl, she like, I saw her and I, I did barely recognize her because she was, you know, not well. And she saw me and she said, and I was just like, oh my God. And I just grabbed her by her shoulders and she, and I was like, girl, like, and she just said, so what are you, I told her I was working Odyssey. I told her that, you know, like just that how long I'd been clean sober. And she was just like, what? She's like, how did you get out of this? And I said, listen, you know, we can, you know, and I just told her, I said, we have the resources to get you out of here. Now that doesn't mean you have to do it right now. Like, that's another thing that pressuring people, like you got to go to treatment right now. You got to go to, that's too fast. Cause when you're in that, especially like that's what's too sometimes it's too fast when you're just in an active addiction but when you're in sex work and you're like ingrained in that lifestyle it's it's very quick like you can't just be like okay let's go because if there's so much I don't it's you know what I mean it's kind of like a domestic violence situation when you try to just yank somebody out of there eh, yeah. the, the, you've got to you got to kind of work slowly with when people. it's comfortable to them and the one thing that's lacked is trust there's no trust and so even Absolutely. if before and you're going into her space it's still right. kind of like well, wait, what do you want? What are you doing? Like you have to earn that. Like, yes. And, and so that's why, that's why that soap to hope model is so, uh, it works so well because it's like, so it starts out with, here's some toothpaste and some shampoo and some soap and a, and a nice, and a note that tells you that you, you're mat, you matter, you're not forgotten. And that just like opens that door of trust. Right. And then the next week you see me again and here you go, here's some hygiene. I'm not trying to even have a conversation with you necessarily. Just right. here you go. Here you go. What do you need? And then, yeah, so like I've had conversations with, with girls that like, you know, they're like, I had this girl one time, she was, we, we had bags of clothes and I was like trying to help her like hold, hold it open and she's going through it. And then she looks up at me and she's like, God, you probably think I'm like super pathetic. Like I'm over here just like digging through all these clothes. And she's like, I've, or she probably, she was, you probably think it's crazy that I've had everything stolen. And I said, girl, I used to live at this motel. This was at the gateway. I said, I used to live at this motel and I would have my things stolen every other day like you know what I mean you can't hang on to anything out here 
And I said, and also like, I, so I, I like shared with her then she's like, you did, you used to live here. And I just said, yeah, I did. I said, so I, one, I said, I'm out here because I, you know, I don't judge you. Like that's the last thing I do. You know what I mean? I, I've had a, like some really powerful experiences being able to give back to that community. And what I would say, basically, I think the main thing to say, and I think that when doing outreach, we would, we would do that, but it's just to like, let them know that like, you are not damaged goods. You know what I mean? You, you are not like this, this job that you're doing, it's out of necessity. And you know what I mean? It's, in my opinion, it was easier for me that, I mean, it was better for me than selling drugs or stealing from Home Depot or, you know what I mean? Cause it, it got me, it gave me independence out there. I could always have, I always had a place to stay. I always have, and I know it sounds crazy to, you know, but it, it really, and so to be able to like, let them know that they're, that, 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 um, that they're not damaged goods and that they, and that no matter what they choose, you know what I mean? Like we, like letting them know that there are people that are there and that care, you know what I mean? Because I know my mom could have texted me every day being like, well, I'll take, you know, I'll get you an apartment. I'll send you to treatment, you know, none of it. No, because in my mind, I was, I was beyond saving. I was beyond repair. This was my life period, the end. And I was going to die that way. Um, and so I think just offering little pieces of, and I, in my mind, like that going out there and just telling people they matter and they're not forgotten, that's harm reduction. Right. You know what I mean? Like that is you're, you're, if you're just, if you can just add that little bit of like humanity to that population, I just think, I think it's really valuable, you know? Heather, so. Heather we have about three minutes left. And the one okay. thing we haven't covered, we've talked about all this bad stuff. Oh. How did you, how'd you finally get clean and what are you doing now? Okay. So I'll make it quick. Um, no, so I, so I ended up going to, um, I ended up going to jail, like for like the last time I ever went to jail and actually Rachel, uh, I was exposed I to Miss Santizo in the Salt Lake County jail. And I was like, and an FTR was like, I didn't, I'm like, what is this? I, cause you know, when I got sober in 2007, it was just AA and NA and you know what I mean? Like you didn't have like what millions of other things we have now right um and so i was like what and so it was like and i heard her story and it was like very inspiring because i was like wait a minute so that means i can change that means i can do i can do this um and so so then like I, I i was introduced to aa um and i uh and, and i went to treatment i went to iop i went to I did like an outpatient and i did sober living out of jail i was fortunate enough to have a family member help me with that and I was able to work on my trauma. I did a lot of EMDR and a lot of trauma work while in treatment, um, worked on my codependency, like all the stuff, right? Um, and then I also got a sponsor in AA and, and I worked the 12 steps and I continue to work, you know what I mean? I practice those principles in all my affairs um, <laughs> to this day, you know, and I, I go to meetings, you know, a couple, I go to meetings three times a week I, or more if I need it. I sponsor um, women. I, um, I stay in contact with my sponsor. I mean, AA is pretty much my, like I needed to work on my trauma and all that stuff. Uh-oh. Did you hit the space bar? I didn't mean to. I was talking with my hands too much. You're back. So anyway, I, yeah. So I, 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 I needed to kind of work on that trauma of like losing my son, the sex work, the domestic violence, all of that stuff. But then the AA thing is like, that's my bread and butter. You know what I mean? That's like where my heart lies. So. So I want to point out um, just two things before, because since we're almost done, you had something like, and this makes me want to cry 
even thinking about it, but you had something happen over the holiday with your son. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I think it's so important to bring that up because right, yeah. So I had a um, so I was able to so I have a little over two years and I did my amends, you know, my ninth step amends a while back, but I had one amends that I didn't want to do right then, and that was to my sister-in-law who has my son. My son was adopted by my brother and my sister-in-law, and I have not seen them or him in six years because of that whole situation. Um, so I felt confident like a couple, like three months, two months ago, three months ago to make that amends to her and to thank her for taking my son. Cause I was, I, re I resented her forever. And it was like this big thing. And now, you know, through this process of working the steps, I, I do not resent her. I have so much gratitude and, and, and anyway, so I made those amends and it was really powerful. She, you know, she just was thanking me and like, you know, sobbing. Well, anyway, so then she was like, well, you know, then it like all of a sudden it opened up that I could maybe see him at Thanksgiving, which that didn't end up happening because of COVID. Nobody got together. And then on Christmas, also we didn't get together, but we did like a Zoom thing, like you know, open our Christmas gifts. And I and so I got to see him and like you know interact with him a little bit. You know what I mean? And so the, so he was four when I lost him. I haven't seen him in six years, and so that was wow. the first time. So yeah, and that's like mm -hmm. a gift of this uh, recovery stuff. And I should also mention that I started a nonprofit with my friend Austin dance recovery vibe used to be dance with sobriety now it's recovery vibe we teach dance classes uh to people in treatment centers and just in general recovery but i should have mentioned that oh well and, and the point of that is to let people know that they can have fun sober yeah oh so much fun i have way more fun sober than i ever did yeah well rick that's really cool rachel that she met you in jail and you were telling your story yeah and now now all three of us her. are sober. <laughs> yeah, and the funny part is that I saw her when she brought in AA literature to FTR. That's when yeah. we reconnected. That's funny. Yeah, I was, a I was the literature chair. So yeah. taking literature around. But uh, people don't understand that there is this huge recovery community and we all interact with each other in different ways through an AA or Soap to Hope or working at a treatment center or, mm -hmm. or doing a podcast like this. So, so you're, you're very brave to, to come on this podcast and share this uh, with everyone. And I hope more people, more outsiders, more what in AA we call them normies or yeah. more normal people would see this so they have an understanding of why people go through what they go through and that's the point of this podcast so so and and we should mention that it's it's available on you can watch it on youtube or you can listen to it on itunes spotify or iheart all you got to do is google odyssey house journals so okay cool that, so so spread the news okay yeah thanks, i will thanks heather thanks rachel thank you heather thank you guys thanks everyone for watching have a good day you too